Teams are being welcomed. Final preparations for the teams. Final preparations for France. We've got the world's media here. We have a record number of international fans. Some 600,000 fans will be coming to experience the best of rugby and the best of France. about to have a really special moment in rugby's history and rugby's journey you know rugby's 200 years old this year so this is rugby's 200th birthday party the stage is set now it's down to the teams to perform and i think it's fair to say that the action will be compelling spectacular and unpredictable I don't think there's ever been a Rugby World Cup, ever been an event in rugby that's been as eagerly anticipated with the excitement that's building, you know, not just here in France, but around the world. The teams are ready. France is ready. Let's get this wonderful Rugby World Cup started. Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast, an exciting week full of anticipation. You won't forget the early season events back in Wales either. We'll hear from the Indigo Premiership, we'll also hear from the squad out in France. But we'll start with one of the key people in Welsh rugby these days, Acting Performance Director Hugh Bevan, talking on the back of the changes to the pathway, including the Indigo Premiership. Hugh, just explain the importance of these changes to you as Performance Director. I think we need to ensure that all of our pathways continue and improve the production of high-quality players for our senior teams, both men's and women's. It's become apparent that perhaps we need to review how we were doing things in order to ensure that we are maximising the potential that we have within the gaming world. And I think this will provide a vehicle at the top end to ensure we accelerate the development of our highest potential players into the professional game and hopefully onto the senior international team. From the outside, and you're obviously far more involved in the nitty-gritty and understanding of this, but from the outside it seems as though that development pathway will be a little bit more coordinated than it has been. So there's been a considerable amount of work and research done on our current pathway and how it works and on other pathways and how they work and how we can make our pathway even more effective. Because it has produced quality players and continues to produce quality players, we just want to produce even more quality players and of a higher quality. And that's what the emphasis of all the changes from age 14 through to 24 are about, is producing more, better players. Because in Wales, you can't afford to lose any talent. So England, France have got such a big playing base, New Zealand, in a different way, that they can probably afford not every single one of their under-20s to maximise their potential. In Wales, if the Wales team's going to be successful, you want 90% of them to maximise their potential. I think that's, you're entirely right. that We are not blessed with the, the size of talent pool that England have or France have, so we do have to ensure that all of our processes, all of our pathways are geared up to maximising the potential that we have and ensuring that 
every player with the potential to play senior international or professional rugby. I've given that opportunity and I've supported in their development in order to maximise the potential that they have. It seems that this new structure, 8 to 10 teams, means that the player pool will provide a pretty high standard. Maybe in an ideal world you'd maybe still look a little bit higher, but I understand the reasons why you're not doing that. There seems to be slightly more coordination between the various different levels. And when it comes through, if people have slightly more control over making sure younger players get opportunities, that's going to be a good thing. And maybe the salary cap is going to be important because clubs aren't going to be able to afford that many quality 30 to 35-year-olds. I think actually getting this competition in, in place demonstrates that there is an increased appetite for collaboration across the game, both from the WAU perspective, from the regional perspective and from the sort of Premier Division clubs. I think every recognised the need for an improvement in standards of the competition, every recognised the need to provide developmental opportunities for the highest potential players and I would suggest that in order to be successful that level of collaboration will probably have to continue if not increase going forward and it's going to be critical to the success of this competition collaboration between regions and their partner clubs that's in both directions is at a level that provides us with the the opportunities that that we require to, to make this competition successful. You've been in this acting role a few months, but are you already seeing a difference in the mood and the attitude, and particularly on that collaborative front? The collaboration was apparent from the moment, actually, I, I, I started. It was, it was a different feel to when I was uh, on the other side of the fence with, when I was with the Dragons, and there was, there was a bit more of a them and us sort of feeling. But I think I've been delighted with the level of cooperation we've received from both the regions and from the Premiership clubs, the openness to discussion, the debate, and the honesty that w- which those debates have been had. There's been frank, open, honest discussion, and people have sort of laid the cards on the table. We've tried to sort of coordinate that and ensure that we've come up with an outcome that everybody's happy with or satisfied with. Give us an assessment of where we are at the moment, do you think, in terms of that player pathway, in terms of maximising that talent? So in terms of uh, this World Cup, I think their preparation has been outstanding. Uh, in terms of uh, what they did in Switzerland and, uh, and in Turkey, I think the warm-up games provided opportunities for Warren to look at individual players, make assessments. He's now obviously finalised his squad and they're in sort of the final preparation stages of, of going through into the World Cup. And I, I'm very optimistic with regards to how they're going to perform at the World Cup. Going forward, I think, if you look at the team, for example, that finished the game against South Africa, I think there was a, a large number of those players who will be available for the next World Cup and potentially the World Cup after that. In terms of looking forward, I think we can be very optimistic because there's some other players coming through our 20s programme currently who perform well in South Africa. We can add into that mix. So I think we can be genuinely optimistic about our chances at, at the next and subsequent World Cups if we continue and improve our development pathways in the way that we would like to. And just in terms of that 20s programme, obviously Mark Jones came in, did a good job, moved on. What's the state of play in the 20s programme looking forward now? So Mark was obviously appointed on an interim basis. He came in and did a fantastic job of working with those players, giving them confidence, giving them a structure, enabled them to perform extremely well. At the, we, I, mean, I was delighted with the way they performed at the Junior World Cup. The staff 
the support in Mark were terrific in that. And I think overall the outcome, if we offered us a um, playoff for the fifth place spot prior to the competition, we would have taken it. The performance against Georgian in particular was one that was quite memorable in, in challenging circumstances that where the conditions suited Georgia. It was a heavy ground. Obviously, their set piece is a real threat. I thought we performed admirably in that, and, and the outcome was, was excellent. As you said, Mark has moved on. You know, he wanted to take up an, an opportunity with the Ospreys where he was coaching on a daily basis. And we will now initiate the process for uh, appointing his successor. Keep Evan, and of course he's looking forward to this World Cup as well as the next few. Two players looking forward to this one who could also feature for years to come are the Speed Twins on the wing, Louis Rees Summit and Rio Dyer. Rio, of course, yellow carded against South Africa in the final warm-up game, but then superb in ensuring his World Cup selection. We've definitely got a young squad. That's just part of the development kind of process, just learning from game to game. Every game's going to be different, as you see in international level. But I think the last probably 14, 15 weeks, I think, especially spending time with a, a fresh squad, a new squad, it can quite have its like tips and turns but the group of boys we have now is amazing and throughout the whole even Switzerland Turkey we've all been a, a tight-knit bunch we've all got closer and closer even though the weeks have been tough and we've been putting pressure on ourselves and testing ourselves throughout the week is being with the group of boys we have been I don't think it could have been easier because I think we all got each other through it we were all with each other every step of the way so it's been a good kind of 14 weeks together and definitely a good bunch of boys. The World Cup will be different it will feel different emotions might be a little bit heightened. Have you given much thought to what you might be feeling and thinking in the moments before you get your first run out in France? There's emotion behind every occasion because every time you put the jersey on it's a proud moment no matter what game it is, what occasion. So I think that's how I kind of take the moments whenever I'm putting the jersey on is every moment a special moment. So I don't think I think about it's the World Cup so I'm going to get on top of myself or something like that. It's more of the, you're putting that jersey on to represent your country, so make sure you just go out there and enjoy it as much as possible. Co-captains, do you know as, as a playing group how this is going to work with the two of them? Obviously we played 20s together, so both of them as leaders, even though they are younger, that they can, they push the squad no matter what. They're, they're driven, they're, they're hard work, and I think in a squad where you're kind of pushing to get that kind of to that level where you want to be winning games you need those kind of people to kind of push everyone with them instead of just them trying to push on themselves so I think they're definitely two key players and it's like uh, I say Jack's more timid but he still gets his point across and he's still that, got that passion and then Darry's more that rough and tumble and more aggression behind him but so I think they kind of level each other out it's not it's like bad cop good cop but in the end of it they both merge very well. Too many people are given Wales a chance in this World Cup. We saw in 2011, 2015 and 2019, Wales peaking at the right time and surprising people. Is there a feeling within the group that you can do that again? I think obviously with rugby there's ups and there's downs, but I think the main thing with this group is even though there will be little mistakes, it's not like we're just pushing them all to the side. We focus every week, we're trying to push ourselves by the fact if you've seen all the training, even though it seems so little that we're just getting beasted and running but it's such a big part of the game that we can kind of focus on and I think that for us personally as a group that even though from outside they probably write us off it's just trying to keep that tight-knit group as I've talked about saying how we've been sticking together and playing together and then just taking that into the games and then when you want to play for each other I think you can see that 
in the performances then when we obviously put the work in and put the graft in and then when you're playing for the man next to you then the results should take its place. I thought the yellow card was really unlucky. When you're sitting in the players' tunnel on your own, no one's allowed to go near you. You're sitting there thinking, oh my God, that could be my, my chance to impress gone. And then when you got back onto the pitch, you seemed extra determined. Was that fair? Yeah, definitely. I think it was more of in the moment I, I didn't know what was going on and then you had a few of the boys trying to reassure me that it was going to be all right. But in the end, it was a penalty trying the yellow card. And I think walking off in front of all the fans and obviously the pressure of the selection coming up on the Monday, I, I think definitely sat on that chair. I was looking up at myself on the camera thinking I'd probably just butcher my chance. I'm going to cost the team. Now it's, it's like every, all the pressure's back on me. So I, I made sure that when I came back on then I I put my all into it. It's, it's not like I want to take the back step. I wanted to make sure I give 110% because it's my fault that I got the yellow card, not the team's fault. So the only way I can kind of make sure that I can give back is just giving it my all. Uri Summit was a name expected to be in the squad, but he was still pleased to be going out to France. It's a dream come true to, to get selected. You know, growing up in Wales as a kid, that is the dream to play for your country and, and then go to a World Cup. So, yeah, I can't put into words how excited I am. This is different. You don't get the opportunity to go to, to a World Cup often. And, you know, as a 22-year-old, I'm absolutely buzzing with, <laughs> to have this opportunity. And, yeah, I can't wait to get started. Probably in a bit of a unique position, where you've obviously been on a Lions tour before playing in a World Cup. How do you feel that experience has prepared you for what will come? Because it doesn't get a lot bigger than a Lions tour. Yeah. A World Cup is obviously right up there as well. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've done quite a lot in the short short space of my career and I feel quite experienced at such a young age so I'm so excited and obviously being on a Lions tour was amazing but being at a World Cup for your country is is pretty special as well. Just think back as well to somebody like Josh Adams when he made his debut sort of a, few, a year or 18 months or so before the last World Cup went on to be the top try scorer yeah. in the tournament. Do you watch what he's achieved perhaps and think you know, I can have a bit of that as well? Yeah 100% Josh you know he helps me massively um, doing analysis and and just you know making me learn the game better and you know he's done it all he's he's been on a Lions tour he's top try scorer at a World Cup so unbelievable player and yeah as I said he, he helps me massively and I think I was 17 17 watching the last World Cup at, at Hartbury College and, and watching him score all those tries was, was unbelievable. I mean Louis you must have thought the World Cup was a, a long way away four years ago but actually it was only a couple of months before you got your your call up were you at that point thinking oh it's quite close to going then yeah I mean it was yeah it was literally the campaign after when it was in the first Six Nations 2020 so you know I would never I don't even I would never have thought I would have gone to a World Cup so you know I'm absolutely over the moon and and to have this opportunity you know I've, I've got to take it now I've got to train hard I've got to try and get my name on that team sheet and you know I'm going to continue to try and work hard and, and do that and when the TMO denied you that try against England, we saw a bit of emotion, didn't we? Yeah. Does that sum up the feelings that you're also desperate to do something to prove your point? Yeah, I mean, everyone's working so hard on, on their, their skills and their point of difference. And yeah, I was absolutely gutted I didn't score that try. But yeah, we move on and, um, you know, that kind of showed the passion that I have. And, you know, although we were winning, you know, I always want to score. I always, always want to help the team. So, yeah, I was gutted. But, you know, we move on and, and continue to work hard. Hold attention out to Fiji. It's going to be a very tough opening game, isn't it? Yeah, um, you know they're they're a very good side. They love transition. Um, they love throwing the ball about. So it's about sticking to our systems in defence and attack, and and hopefully we can go out there and, and get a win.
you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. It's not just the players representing Wales on the world stage in the next few weeks. Ben Whitehouse is one of the TMO team for the tournament. Honoured to be selected to go to the World Cup, honoured to be representing Wales, honoured to be going out with my friend Craig Evans as well. So yeah, we're just raring to get going, really can't wait to get started out there. How does it work nowadays with being in the middle, being on the touchline, being the TMO? Yeah. What, it's a team effort, isn't it? It really is. Touched on this before the interview, but my dad, I think it was a different game back then where you know the uh, the assistants would be running touch and probably not much more than that. And the TMOs were just doing in the act of scoring, if you if you remember that, not so long back. But now it really is you know a, a team of four effort. Um, and I think we've changed a lot in the last four years since the last World Cup as a team. The TMO is much more involved, but not for decision by decision, but just a lot more involved in the team, the teamwork going into the game before it as well as during the 80 minutes. How different is it being in the middle and being in the box? Very. I had to quickly learn that it's a different skill set. You aren't referee in the game. When a ruck happens, you don't need to look at are the players on their feet? Uh, you know, what are they doing? You're looking for the things above the ball, you know, the foul play, the clear outs, the neck rolls, those sort of things. And then, you know, when you're going towards a try line, you're looking for that try line or the foot in touch, etc. So it's a different skill set. And thankfully, I'm still refereeing as well. Maybe not thankfully for other people, but for myself. And uh, it is difficult to switch back and forth, but I'm really enjoying this sort of hybrid role I'm doing. Because yeah, it used to be the TMO was someone who retired as yeah, a ref, pretty much. Like so, Derek Bevan back in the day. <laughs> exactly. So you doing the two roles, yeah. is that a good thing? I think so. And it's happening a lot more now. I think probably 90, 95% of the referees in the URC have TMO'd at some stage of the season. Um, only a couple uh, have avoided the task. And you look at the World Cup now, uh, me, just to name a few, me, Tom Foley, Brendan Pickerel, Brendan's AR to the World Cup, refereed uh, the Bledisloe Cup as well. So yeah, both roles I think is a real positive because I think the referees are, are really I want to say trusting, but maybe that's not the right word when a fellow referee, a current referee, is, is in the box. But let me tell you, there's some really experienced. Marius Jonker, for argument's sake, went to a World Cup, not refereeing anymore, but just he's a great soundboard and a f- re- really good TMO. And overall, the World Cup experience, going to be pretty great to be, just be involved, yeah, isn't it? a special country, France. Like, really special country, France is. Uh, especially when you're there for rugby. It's going to be probably one of the best World Cups of all time. Four, five, six teams could win it. Hopefully Wales is in that four or five, six teams, but we'll see what what happens when we we get out there. Really excited. From a refereeing perspective, you don't want Wales to do well because you could be in the final stages. I can tell you now, it's the same as now you said in 2015, if Wales get to the final, that's job done for me. Um, You know, I'd be chuffed. I'd be sitting there as a fan with a pint in my hand, with a big smile on my face, sporting people who are friends within the Welsh squad and their teammates just would be chuffed. One of the interesting things about the evolution of the TMO role now is you, you, you often hear a referee say, can you give Dad a check? Yeah. So it's like he's not sure, but he knows he's going to get the right answer. Yeah. So I think we're trying to avoid the, that sort of on-the-run check because we want referees, same as when I'm refereeing URC Europe, we want referees making those live calls. People can ex- uh, accept you know, little errors from a referee running around at full tilt for 80 minutes. But what they can't accept is when the TMO is always involved and then always involved and wrong. Yeah. So we're trying to avoid that, but it, obviously it still happens. You know, when you're in the middle of a Bledisloe Cup game or a 
quarterfinal of a World Cup game, something's going to slip in where you're going to say, can you check that? And if we can give a quick answer without affecting the game, you know, the tackle was high within protocol, then we're going to give it. But we don't want to be interfering, stop starting the game. I think that's what really frustrates people. Well, I think Nigel always used to go on instinct when he was refereeing and he would sometimes wave away the the TMO. But I guess... If you're the TMO, you can't go on instinct, can yeah. you? You have to go on what, what mm. the frame-by-frame frame says. Correct. I, I think it's one of those ones where a lot of the stuff I see is identified by instinct, mm. and then you've got to then dial down, as you say, using your slow-motion cameras, because mm. once it's on screen, sadly, people, oh, probably rightly so, people don't accept it when it's wrong, then we have to go scientific with it, because, you know, you've got to frame-by-frame, slow-motion camera, how have you got that wrong type mentality? We talked, you know, hypothetically talked in meetings before about, oh, you know, could we implement something like VAR with lines on the ground for offside? And then it was decided we don't need that because that's not our game. Our game operates, you know, 70, 80% of our game operates in the grey and that's what people like and that's what we've got to stay like. Yeah, there's big decisions which we need to get right. Uh, You know, when a player's really injured and there's foul play, we've got to go into the the minutiae of the details and and look at is the contact to the chin first or is it to the shoulder then the chin those sort of things but a lot of our game is in the grey and I personally I like that players operate in the grey and referees do and I think it's got to stay Let's not forget about the action back at home a fascinating first weekend of Indigo Premiership last weekend RGC of North Wales enter the fray this week. A chance to hear from a couple more clubs Hugh Taylor, RGC, first game obviously on the ninth against Cardiff yeah. So what's shape for RGC in this year? Uh, no, we've had a good pre-season. It's been very like three nights a week. We've enjoyed it. We've started pre-season pretty well, so I'm looking forward to it, to be honest, yeah. And RGC, one of those sides that have been challenging strongly, maybe just falling off it a little bit. Can you go that extra little step this year? No, I think so. If we can keep our squad fit and, and playing well, then I think there's no reason why we can't beat anyone on our day. And of course, everyone's talking this is the last season in one format and, and moving into a different yeah. one next season. As long as you meet the criteria, you're in it. You're the you're one person in the room who can be a bit relaxed <laughs> about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I suppose like the pressure's off us and I think we've just got a lot of young lads and I think it's about enjoying it and putting our best foot forward anyway. Like We want to be top four, we want to be challenging for the league and that's um, our attitude towards it, yeah. I was going to say, you're going to want to prove a point, you're going to want to show that you deserve to be there, it's not just your geography. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I think there's, a, there's loads of talent up in North Wales. It's just about bringing them through and just getting them playing regularly and playing them well every week, yeah. So who should we be looking out for? There's a young tight head called Pedder Jones, really good, really promising, and lucky not really to have a regional contract last year. We've got Jordan Lyon, uh, hooker, strong ball carrier, good chop tackler. And then obviously we've got Avon Bagshaw, who's been club captain for years. And um, uh, we've got Dan Owens, who's also been there for years. So a couple of older heads as well who've been around for a while. It's um, vital to have that balance, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's what we've definitely got this year. We've got that older group, like I said, Dan, Avon, Jordan, Reese Tudor, some older boys, and myself as well in that sort of bracket, Jesse Williams, Lucid Prop, who are very much like the leaders within the squad. And, and then there's a load of youth who, who are like biting at the bit to, to get an opportunity at the same time. So, yes, it's a nice balance. Derby Cross, Cardiff RFC. He's still smarting. Yeah, I mean... Um... Last year, I think it was a little bit of a one-game-to-many for us. 
we played in every single um, game we could have last season. So, I mean, for us to come away with nothing league-wise where we finished top of the regular season, but that's just the way it is. I mean, can't argue with that, but the better team won on the day, so it was just for us to pick our heads up this season and move forward. So you pick up the cup, you have a really good season, but I imagine you're still coming into this season with a bit of a point to prove. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've got more teams in this league as well, so obviously more, a little bit more games as well, potentially. But, you know, we've got to start strong this year. I mean, there's games where we can't kind of leave up some points as well. So, um, I mean, that's what we're targeting the most this, this year. So, Last year was quite a good blend of some experienced players and, and obviously a lot of academy youngsters yeah. coming through. How does this year look? 100%. I mean, last year we, we had um, the likes of Dan Fish for the experience and then, uh, you know, the, the younger boys which are coming through, like Harrison James, and, and he was learning off Dan Fish as well. So it was good to see, obviously, this year I think it'll be a little bit more academy boys, um, obviously, just due to, you know, they've seen them in pre-season, you know, I've been impressed with them and obviously um, helping them out as well around, around that environment. So it'd be nice for them to pick up that senior experience this year. So... We all thought Dan Fish would probably still be playing when he was 17, just <laughs> playing the way he does. But he's a big hole to fill, isn't he? Yeah, 100%. I mean, he done a great job last year. And um, to be fair, I did try to talk him into this year, but nah, he's having none of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just, it, you know, he's in with a coaching uh, set up now. So, I mean, um, you know, he's doing a great job himself as a backs coach and, and the attack coach. So we just got to deliver on what he provides, really. So um, that's the main thing. That link with Cardiff Rugby and the way it's worked over the last couple of years, it's been going pretty well. It's a pretty strong, obviously it's a strong link, but yeah, it's been working out for you. Yeah, yeah. So it's been working out. We've seen the, like uh, some boys who, who have, um, you know, gone on and played for the senior team, and um, hopefully a, f- a few more will do in, in the up and coming years. So, um, you know, fingers crossed, it, it does go well for us. And everyone's looking forward to next season as well. What's the mood in the Cardiff dressing room about that? So. You know, we always just try to go on the training paddock and just deliver what, what we practice. We don't really kind of look look ahead into into things. You know, if we can just deliver on the things we practice every week. You know, we, we don't really worry about other teams just as long as we can deliver that. So, and all that stuff's out of your control anyway. So there's yeah. no point in wasting you, too much energy on you it. You just got to control the controllables. So the Welsh Rugby Union podcast will be in France with Wales for the next few weeks. There should be a special atmosphere, so listen out for that. Until then, goodbye.